Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now let's get to the interview. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very dangerous guest. Hailing from Strong Island, New York, by way of Las Vegas, Nevada, weighing in at 187 pounds, it's the murder surgeon, the one and only Dr. Redacted. How are you today, my dude? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just, you know, like I said, just just got to Las Vegas, so I'm ready to party. <laughs> exactly. You've picked up and moved. You're living in Sin City now full time. Yeah, it's awesome. I Please, I'm ready. No more cold winters. It gets chilly here, but not cold, and I'm ready just to leave all that shit out of here. Yeah, exactly. Do you get into outdoorsy stuff or anything like that? I, I think one John Moxley's always riding bikes around Nevada, right? Uh, I have not yet, but I want to do all the hiking stuff because sure. now I live. Well, now I live in a place where there's like mountains, and you can go hike and all that crazy shit. So I'm That's looking so cool. to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've never been to the Grand Canyon either, so I want to hit that too. Uh huh. I have been to the Grand Canyon. I don't think I went yeah. to the grandest <laughs> part of the canyon because um, I said to a friend like because to go to the grandest part you need to like catch a bus <laughs> I popped in with that uh, you have to like catch a bus and it takes hours and I'd had a friend go and he's like I just got like a helicopter tour uh, out of Las Vegas and it just like you know took me to the canyon we had like some champagne and a picnic and they brought us back at sunset over the lights it was awesome and I was like yeah yeah, yeah it, it, it was bougie and it was really fun but I said to him I'm like on a scale of one to grand how grand are we talking though and he's like I know, eight grandness on the grand scale. And I was like, sounds good <laughs> enough to me because I didn't want to spend an entire day on a bus. And I would really recommend it. Like, uh, you should do that if you haven't been before and you don't want to catch the big bus out. You can get that helicopter tour and it's just really cool. And when we did it, it was like great timing because we went through like all the weather. So we went at like sundown. So we go out and we're over the Hoover Dam, sun's starting to come down. Then while we're in the Grand Canyon, we're having champagne and stuff, and then it starts to rain. So then we come up, they're playing Danger Zone, and then we dip into a canyon. We're going through mist and all this rain and stuff. Then we come up over Las Vegas, <laughs> all the lights. It was really fucking fun. Were so. they really playing Danger Zone? They were, yeah. The guy was super funny because oh. he was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm going to put on a super mix to get you guys pumped. And hits play. <laughs> 
and then it starts playing like uh, fucking George Michael or something. He goes, oh, sorry, that was my uh, mix from last night. I had a lady visitor. I'm just going to swap that. And then he was like playing all like Danger Zone and like uh, Thunderstruck and stuff because we were Australian. They're like, oh, we'll put on a heap of ACDC for you guys. And I'm like, well, you're right. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what you get. Anyway, derailed the, derailed the show immediately. Um, but I'm so fucking glad to catch up with you. We've been speaking for a while um, trying to get this teed up. So I really want to thank you for making some time for me and uh, staying in contact so we could get it done. I appreciate you for still having me because we've definitely been playing tag with this, but our schedules are just, they don't work at all. Yeah, exactly right. But hey, we're here now. So let's get it popping, man. Uh, If anybody's ever listened to the show, uh, I usually just have one question to get us started. And that is when you think back to when you first got into professional wrestling, what were some of the first faces that stood out to you and drew you in to the weird world of wrestling? Oh, okay. So when I was younger, uh, I definitely had those big rubber action figures where they didn't actually have like opposable moving anything. But, you know, you had Andre the Giant, Hillbilly Jim, Macho Man, Hogan, like that whole like spiel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I didn't really get into wrestling until like uh, like third or fourth grade and like Attitude Era, like right yes. when it was just hitting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Steve Austin and then like uh, for some reason, I don't know why it ever stood out to me. The Headbangers, they yeah. were a big one for me. Sure. Um, but also, uh, cause I lived in the tri-state area in New York, you know, I was that kid that's like, I want to stay up all night and play Sega Genesis. And then when your, your mom's like, turn the Sega Genesis off and you're like, uh, and then you put the TV on and you're just flipping through channels. Cause you know, at like midnight, there's nothing on or two in the morning, there's nothing on, not cartoons, whatever. And then you come across this ECW thing and you're like, Oh, and then. You know, immediately the Sandman's jumping out of you, Sabu, all of them. And I was just like, this is crazy. And then you'd go back to watching the other thing and you're like, "Who? what is this shit? Like, <laughs> and then you see the Hardy Boys and you're like, what are those things even on their arms? Like, I remember growing up, people were like, they're so cool. And I'm like, what is with the fishnets and those things on their arms though? Like, what is that? The armbands, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I know Somewhere exactly what you're talking like, about. But yeah. the- the Hardy Boys are quite often a source of people's inspiration for starting wrestling on this podcast. And we've talked about the arm, arm sock things and the uh, cargoes many times. Uh, but it, it's funny, right? Like I was not exposed to ECW until way later. And even then I'm still pretty vague on it. Like I know who everybody is and stuff, but yeah. obviously I missed the window. And so I've gone back and watched some stuff I'd love to go back and kind of like watch it in order. It's just, you know, physical time. I've got a long service leave coming up next year. Maybe I'll just take three months and watch everything ECW. But, but it wasn't, um, until I, uh, was exposed to like new Japan that I had that same feeling, right. Where I'm like, Oh wait, this is the kind of stuff that I've been looking for. And this stuff that I feel like I'm getting tired of, this is why, you know, wrestling can be more, than just what WWE serve. And then I start getting to the independence and that leads to deathmatch and, and all the other stuff, you know? So it's funny that you were at that age, got, got that taste of ECW and you're like, this stuff ain't for me. I'm already on the fringes and kind of looking for other stuff. And it was weird because like uh, third, fourth grade, you're like, you're just a dumbass kid. Like no, no one's smart at that point. You're just dumb. Yeah. And like, uh, you'd be like seeing like people on the same channels cause there's WCW too. So you'd see like Bam Bam Bigel over there, Raven over there. And then you'd see like, uh, I, I don't know, whoever would show up on uh, WWE and whatever or WWF. And you're like, Oh my God, this guy's on this channel now. What are they doing over here? And you're just like, Oh, 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 Oh. <laughs> and 
it was just crazy because when you're a kid and you're like, that's not his name. His name on this show is this. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 exactly. And you're like, he wrestles better when he's over here. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I love Bam Bam Bigelow on ECW. When he goes WCW, he's hanging out with these idiots <laughs> and it's stupid. So you're already yeah, so. getting super mad at it. See, we didn't have it on TV, so I could only rent VHS, and most of which what the mm. what the video stores had was like old stuff, you know. So I'm going back and I'm watching like Legion of Doom and the Hulkster and you know Ultimate Warrior and all this stuff. And it isn't until that Attitude Era stuff starts going, you know, when Bret Hart and and Stone Cold really start, you know, heating up towards WrestleMania 13 that I was like, yo. And then I started like requesting my video store. I'm like, hey, can you make sure you get WrestleMania 14? <laughs> like, and they would just reserve it when it came in and me and my dad would go get it and, and watch it and stuff like that. And I didn't have it on TV until I was like well and truly. Yeah, when I when I first, my first year of university when I moved to Perth, my friends had cable and I was able to watch the pay-per-views. Not Raw yet. That didn't come for a couple more years or something. But Not yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the the biggest, like when I was a kid, uh, like I would say like mark out moment for me uh, was, I believe it was Royal Rumble when Taz debuts against Kurt Angle. And I remember just being like, that's one of our guys. Yeah. And then he went out there and you're like, even as a kid, you're like, oh, Kurt Angle's probably going to beat him because he's undefeated. Yeah. Olympic gold medals. And then Taz comes in and chokes him out. And you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, doesn't Taz say he's like, he feels like his pop at that debut sunk his push before it even started. He said, he yeah. said he came out and he's like, and the cheer was so huge that he knew he was sunk. He's like, because they didn't create it. He's like, everybody exactly. knew him. It was New York. Everybody knew who the fuck he was. And he, he was came the out. New York guy. Exactly. And they all went sick and he's like, Oh, I am fucked because and uh, he came <laughs> from ECW where he was like, the undefeated, like yeah. undefeated, undefeated, like murder machine. Like yeah. he was just, nobody could touch him. He was the guy. And, and then he comes over here and it's still the guy. And they're like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is weird, right? You think you would spend money on this guy with all this hype and all this reputation and you would want that. But in reality, what they wanted to do was, I guess, use that credibility to get other guys over or whatever like that. Cause it's not their own machine. I don't know. I, I want to say it's like a, big businessman like ego type thing i don't know yeah i don't Maybe know it's like a not their homegrown honestly frankly i don't really care nah. but because i you know i'm not gonna go work there so who the fuck cares but <laughs> like they're they're just stupid yeah. but they can't be that stupid because they got a shit ton of money and i don't so. yeah and i mean everything happened how it was supposed to because taz became like you know a commentator he never intended to do that and became one of my favorites exactly. like of all time i like love what he does and i love the taz show and i actually got to meet him in vegas uh i was oh, telling sure. you off air that i've only ever been to one place in america that was vegas and when the starcast <laughs> thing was there he kind of did a you know like a panel or whatever just telling stories and stuff and i got to shake his oh, hand afterwards insane. and stuff and i was stoked because he he was a huge one for me like when i was a kid i always thought he was fucking so dope Dude, it was sick watching, like, being an adult now, watching back, and he's wearing, like, biohazard shirts, and I'm like, yo, that band rules, yeah. and that's still my guy, and then, you know, that's just how it works. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I once uh, saw another human get punched out in a biohazard pit. That was pretty awesome. The Dude, only biohazard had some rough shows. Yeah, and I mean, it was here in Perth, and it was a rough pit, though. We Like, it was going down, and there was one particular drunk guy who pushed a friend or something, and the other dude's friend just come from behind 
King hit to the back of the head and he went down and then he's the, nothing broke out. His friends just picked him up and just carried him out of the pit. And that's all it was. And I was Dude, like, yo. Punishment hits? Yeah. punishment hits and spin kicks are going. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that's like, just how it is. You know man. what I mean? If you're being a dick, you're, you're getting put out. But I was like, yo, that was that was pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're you're immediately into the fringe stuff. And then where yeah. do you where do you go from there? Do you, do you start digging deeper on the internet? Like, do you start finding deathmatch stuff or does that not come till later? So the deathmatch stuff didn't come for a long yeah, time okay. until after that. Uh, if anything, later on, I got more into like the Japanese stuff. Like, uh, so the internet was like cool. And then like, you'd start, I start watching like the ring of honor stuff and then they would come to like locals. Well, for a while, then after like the attitude era, I kind of like fell out of it for a while. Cause yeah. you become like a cool guy. Uh-huh. So you're like, oh, I'm developing. <laughs> And then you fall back into it. So then fast forward a little bit and it's like 2006 or seven and ring of honor is like, it's, that was really cool. Ring of honor. Not saying it never, it's still not still cool, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they did local shows by me and I just happened to stumble upon one. And I remember like, cause I had worked at the, one of the venues they were having it at. So everybody would just let me come in and go out wherever I wanted. And I remember just watching for a little bit. And uh, it was, I want to say it was Nigel McGuinness and delirious. And Nigel's just, he's an artist at the time. He's just going whoop, 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 right through all the most. I'm doing, moving my hands up as if people can see me. Yes. Um, it was very going, technical hand movements, if anybody was wondering. <laughs> I, knew, I knew, I was like, that's a Nigel McGuinness signature, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh. And then, you know, you go back home, you look it up, and then you start following it a little bit more. And then the first show I ever went to for them was at the same place, and, you know, Kent is on the show. And then you see, like, uh, who else? First match is Brian Danielson versus Jack Evans, and he's turning him into a goddamn pretzel. Yeah. And this is like when Danielson was champion, and he had that insane run. Mm-hmm. And then Homicide's coming out, and Steve Carino makes his return. And you're like, oh, ECW. Uh. And just a crazy but really good overall show. And then, you know, it just went from there, and then you start being like, oh, Dragon Gate, Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. yeah. And then the Deathmatch stuff came later on, mm-hmm. but... Because at first I was like, ugh, it's blood and gut stuff. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know you would one day go on to uh, leap yeah, off right? things in a garbage bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go figure, right? <laughs> a, a young uh, doctor redacted, nurse redacted was not yeah. like a, was not thinking, orderly redacted was not uh, yeah, even considering Med student that. redacted, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're, you're watching all that stuff and you're checking out uh, Ring of Honor and stuff like so. When do you start to go? Hey, maybe maybe I could do this. Maybe I could train in this. Um, so at the time, I was also like booking concerts and stuff too. Okay, and uh, you know, going to all the shows and everything. Like, did hardcore, you play in bands or? Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, yeah. I pretended I could sing or yell, whatever you want to call it. Nah, sure. I'm not really good at it. Yeah, I, um, I I pretended to play bass for like over a decade. It's it's fine. Like, that's yeah. what you do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's how you meet girls. Um, yeah. And you have that's how you end up with a wife <laughs> like me. <laughs> but a, yeah, exactly. um, and, uh, you know, I ran to this guy who owned a venue at the time and he's like, he knew I was like the wrestling guy. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, Oh, you know, you're like athletic. You want to, uh, you want to try this? I'm opening a school. And then, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Sure. And, uh, at the time, I had just gotten over a broken arm because you do stupid things when you go to some of these concerts. Yes. And uh, so it was like two weeks after having – or like a week after having the cast come off. And he's got this trainer 
who's having me do – I'm taking into account – I'm 18 at the time. Okay. Because that's how old you have to be to train in New York or sure. like, you know, whatever. Or you did at the time. I, whatever. And uh, so I start doing these drills or whatever, and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but my arm is starting to hurt a little bit. You think I can ease up on these push-ups or whatever? And the guy's like, slower. Do them slower. <laughs> and then I got halfway up through one, and my arm was like, hey, I'm broken again. Oh, and bro. yeah, just gave out. Dude, just goes, yo. Oh, yeah, and I went, oh, well, I'm down now. And then he's like, oh, well, I guess you could sit out now. And I'm like, yeah, my arm's just broken again. So, yeah, I guess I will sit out again. Just, and uh, this is a Hogan level story here. They always tell us that thing about how they broke his leg in training. That's you just to see if you wanted it. Yeah, brother. exactly. And it was the shits. And then uh, I got super jaded towards wrestling and I gave up on it for another couple of years. And then uh, the same guy's like, Oh, I got a new school. It's better. It's closer to you. And I'm like, Oh, I'm still an idiot. Sure. And he's like, come be a referee. And then uh, I was like, yeah, Sure. And then I went to go be a referee, and uh, his school had uh, very few students, uh, single-hand digits. Okay. And uh, they're like, uh, do you think you could just, like, go through the bumps and do all the stuff with them, even though you're just training to be a referee? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I kept doing that for a while. And then um, I got an offer to do this thing called Kaiju Big Battle. Oh. And uh, I did that for a while. And then, you know, you start doing these matches and you're like, oh, this is fun. But I was like, I don't want to do wrestling. I, I just like this. It's silly and it's fun and whatever. And then I kept doing it and kept doing it. And then they were like, hey, you can do the booking for us. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I'd get talent in certain cities. And then uh, I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And then I did played like three different characters at the same time. And then uh, we'll fast forward a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the pandemic came. And they were very scared, which, hey, that's how some people are. And that was fine. I get it. Uh -huh. And um, I was like, I don't like being trapped in the house. I want to go do stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I did it safely. I got vaccinated. I made sure I sure. followed every precaution, whatever people needed, uh -huh. make sure everyone was comfortable. And uh, I asked, I was like, hey, can I do this cube guy? Or at the time I was doing this character called American Beetle. And I, can I do them on the indies? And they were like, yeah, sure. Because it got them merch boosts. It got them like eyes for a company that, you know, was supposed to should have died. Should have died. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so I kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And then the pandemic was easing up and opening up. And uh, I will keep this as polite as I can. They were getting a little frustrated that I was getting more eyes on me than the actual product because they don't like the individual characters getting more eyes than the product itself. Sure. And they said, hey, can we have it back? And I said, sure. And then they were like, you're fired. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And now I do this and it's much better. And yeah. I like it a lot more now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I wasn't sure, like, because I'd, I'd heard about the Kaiju Big Battle thing and I'd heard about Dr. Q being there. And I wasn't sure if I was first exposed to Dr. Cube on the Time Bomb shows. And so not knowing the timelines and stuff, I wasn't sure whether it was one and the same dude. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't yeah. sure if, like, it was a character and then you were sort of doing a character and they're like, no, these are the same or, or whatever. Or, or how well, it's work. funny because... Uh, sorry I interrupted you. I'm a jerk. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm really good at interrupting This you. is your interview. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> hey, um, when I was there, I never really played Dr. Q. I would only do it on the indies because I wanted it to be a little different than what they were doing so that people could see the difference. And then eventually we were going to do some crazy storyline where they came together yeah. and they fought. And then the original cube in a really backhanded way would win and kill off this cube. And it was going to be some like 
crazy alternate universe. That's what it is. It was like crazy cartoony wrestling, but a show. Yeah. It's a good product for what it is. Yeah. But they just didn't want to work with me anymore, and that's oh. fine. Um, well, that is cameo. Your- that is Russia. <laughs> it's the tech guru that got us started. Yeah, the tech girl, <laughs> the best girl. Um, so yeah, so then uh, now I do this, and I like it a lot better, yeah. and it seems to be working out pretty well for me, so I can't complain. Yeah, did you um, when that all happened? Like, and they were like, "You can't be Doctor Cube anymore." What was your initial thought? Because you'd obviously you were, you'd been doing um, you've been doing Cube for a while, and there was sort of that yeah. vibe. And then you're like, oh, well, I guess I need to be something else. Did you consider going a different way? Because I feel like I, I didn't know what was going on with the Redacted thing. I remember you uh, appearing, I think it was when I saw you surface as Dr. Redacted was Battle of the Tough Guys. And I was like, who the fuck's Dr. Redacted? Like, I was like, is that, is that the cute <laughs> a lot of guy? Have that. A lot and of and like, he's changed his name and it's like a harder word to say and stuff. But I could see like the images and you had the tape over your mouth and, and things like that. And I was like, there's something going on here. Now I hear the story. It kind of makes sense that you're like, I can't be Dr. Cube anymore, so I'm just going to be redacted because I can't say what it is because everybody knows who I am. Like, Yeah. So well, what's funny about it is, uh, you know, when that first happened, I was just so conditioned or used to it. And, like, change can be scary or whatever. Uh, not scary, but it's just when you have to completely change your whole thing or you think you do, it's uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, it could be intimidating, I guess yeah. you'd say. Sure. Or overwhelming. And uh, – Immediately, I was like, oh, well, I hope people still want me for me and not just the, the goofy character or the stupid head. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then I started talking to people and, you know, peers and people to not reassure, but shoot me ideas. And someone was like, you should just keep doing the doctor thing. Or some, some people said, I should go get this crazy gear and change the whole thing. And someone was even like, oh, you should get a, what was it? Um like a, like a convict outfit. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> people were shooting me these insane names. Yeah. And then um, this one promotion I was working for, they were still advertising me as Dr. Cube because they had me on a show and they just kept the graphic and kept advertising it. Mm-hmm. And then they were told, hey, like by Kaiju, like, hey, can you take this down? And they were like, okay. And then they, they didn't know what to call me. And then someone on the internet was like, Dr. Redacted. And I was like, well, it's kind of got a nice little ring to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I ha- already had scrubs, so I was like, well, we can figure something out here. You're like, really? I just don't have to have a cube head anymore. And I yeah. just, I'm now still Now I'd have there. to bring this stupid hockey bag with me because, okay, so a real fun story. I'd have to bring this giant bag just for the head because it was so big. And it like straight up like a hockey gear bag. Yeah, yeah. And I would go to airports and people were like, oh, uh, are you like in the NHL? <laughs> And I'd be like, no, I'm a wrestler. And they're like, okay, bye, idiot. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just dog shit, whatever. I, I, I'm actually and, super excited to to ask you these details because I, I love the the details of stuff like this. I was going to ask you how the head worked, right? Because I, when, I, when I watched you come out with it, I'm like, the head stays on pretty well for a cardboard box. I wanted to ask about it. Like, it's not cardboard at all. It was, uh, it was something, I forget the kind of foam that's made out of. Ah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, it was a lot of work put into it. It's a nice, it's a nice head. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you still have the head, or did it have to? Oh, oh you, I don't. I, I gave, you had to I gave send it back. back. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not even send it back. I left it, get, handed it right over, <laughs> and they were, oh, thanks, no problem. And then as soon as he left, like an hour later, then I got the you're fired. 
And I'm like, oh, oh it's like a nice that. guy to my face. Yeah, it's like a nice that. guy to my face. And then, you know, and you, I don't want to talk sour about them. Though, whatever. That's fine. I think it's clear that uh, in that uh, acting out little skit you just did that you were actually the people who run Kaiju Big Battle at Disney because it sounded like you handed it over to <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking Mickey Mouse or someone like, okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Dude, Mickey Mouse came to my house. I'd be pretty stoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Repping the shirt right now. <laughs> I know. Huge Disney fan, this guy. Huge Disney mark. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it throws a lot of people off because you're this crazy psychopath. And then you're taking the edge off by going to Disney World. And I'm like, yeah, you got to be happy at some point. Yeah, exactly. You're like, that's the only place I'm happy. Everywhere else is murder. Everywhere else is murder surgery. (laughs) (laughs) So so you move past that, you become redacted. At which point then do you decide that you – really want to go all in on death matches because when I'd first seen you, I don't think it was a death match and I wasn't really familiar with you from that kind of style. And then I, you know, like I said, the no holds barred thing, the battle of the tough guys. And then, then you're on ruthless and they're like, I think I interviewed Chris and he was like, and I'm getting this guy, Dr. Redacted and all he wants to do is death matches. He's like about it. And like, you start getting that reputation and then you start to do some pretty crazy shit. So at which point did you go, I really like this thing. There's something here I think I'll be good at and I want to do it. Um, you, back when I was the the box doctor, we'll say that for now. <laughs> yeah, we can't, uh, we've been using it way too much. We, I've, I've got to pay Kaiju see. Big Battle for every time I've said the full title. Yeah, right. Um, if only they could afford a lawyer. Oh, oh that's the last Um So I had that match with JTG. And we used tubes and there was tacks and doors and all that stuff. And I like loved it. And I kept wanting to do that stuff, but because of the way the the mask was and I didn't want to rip it or break it or damage it because it wasn't mine. So I didn't want to ruin it. I could only do like hardcore matches and stuff like that. And I kept wanting to do more and more and more. And then finally the mask came off and I, you know, I had no limitations and I could just go full crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I just would talk to people and be like, let me do this. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. Please let me do it. And then some people were like, yes, you can do it. And then uh, then people saw it and people were like, keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I'm like, I want to keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> we're all on the same page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, did you, when it came up to that first match, doing that stuff, you knew all the tube stuff in there. Were you sort of hesitant then? Were you like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go through this, but I'm going to do it for the show. It makes sense. And then it was just like, yo, this is everything I've ever wanted? Or or were you pretty pumped leading into that? Uh, I was pretty excited about it because even like when I did Kaiju, I was like, there's a, a match where I get hit by a car and I get <laughs> okay. hit like pretty hard by a car too. Yeah. Uh, I would do these things where like I would jump off like balconies and I would jump off like super high top distances. So like I was just like right there and I was ready for it. But I couldn't do it because, like I said, that costumes were not mine. I didn't want to ruin anything. Uh, yeah. I'm not here to like damage anyone else's stuff. Yeah. And so then, like when I could, and I was just like, "Yes, let's let's just keep elevating it. Let's keep going. Let's keep going." Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And so, how did uh, how did you you came into the Battle of the Tough Guys as like a, yep. a last minute sort of addition? Someone was yeah. injured. I forget who it was that couldn't make it, and then then you were dropped in. So that was a huge opportunity. How did that come about? Um, I had talked to Danny previous before that, like months before that. And I was like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm interested. I would like to do, you know, just, just, like the whole formal thing. 
And he was super cool about it. And then, uh, yeah, they had that last minute uh, cancellation. It's funny because I was actually supposed to go to a wedding in Massachusetts that day. Oh, really? And I still did go to the wedding just with gusset plates up marks all over the top of my head. And <laughs> <laughs> so that, that worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but struggles hit me up and he's like, Hey, you want to do this? And like, I had been waiting for the call and you know, it had been a while. So then I was like, I'm not fucking this up. Like yeah. I told the people at the wedding, I'm like, I'm going to be late and I'm sorry. And they understood. Cause it's funny. Uh, the guy who invited me, he is a wrestling guy and he was like, I get it. Do what you got to do. It's a huge opportunity. And, yeah. Yeah. And then I did it. And, uh, and it was. there was a lot of people there that called me cube and all that shit. And that's cool. Whatever. Yeah. That's good that they knew. Yeah. And, uh, it worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then that match with Hoodfoot happened. And then it was just, we're off to the races. That was that was the one as well. So, like I said, I was exposed to you. I had seen the the time bomb stuff, late edition in that. That's cool. Like I know I really liked that match, and I was like, oh, that was really cool. That was something different. And then when that, like you say, that hood foot match, I was was you kicking down the door of ICW in a big way because everybody was talking about it. Not just, I mean, you guys had an amazing chemistry and like the the match was really great and not even just the like coming off the roof in the bin which was pretty crazy but even like grabbing the mic and like talking on commentary and stuff like that just so much personality um in one small segment you know what i mean like you came through those the curtain and then you took up the entire space for the time you were there and it it didn't surprise me that then everybody was talking constantly about redacted because it was like you just exploded out of nowhere. You know, it was a real big coming out party for you, I felt like. Did it feel amazing when it was done? Were you like, I, that was what I, I wanted it to be? Like, uh, I was really happy with the entire match. Mo is the man, Hoodfoot, whatever you want to call him. He is a pro of pro. He's one of the best. I like him a lot. Uh, I was really happy with the match. I didn't realize that that many people were into it or talking about it or anything. Uh, and then going back to the other thing, uh, I get that it's deathmatch and like we have all these crazy things. We can still have characters. You can still have personality. And I don't know if I just got lucky, but I made like I said, I made sure to utilize it all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I like to believe that I, whenever I go out there, I try to utilize. And I don't ever want to be the guy who's known for mailing it in or doing anything like that. So I always try my hardest. I always try to give everybody what they need, or what they should be needing, or what they want to watch, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. Uh, I was pretty shocked and pretty blown away when I, you know, went on the internet after and was like, oh, I guess I have a Twitter presence now. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> and it, you know what? It, it kind of sets it apart, right? Like you're like just in this conversation, I can tell you somebody that's about entertainment, right? Like yeah. from everything from Disney and the ACW stuff through to booking and writing stuff with those we're not supposed to say anymore. Um, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you understand the show. So it's not just yeah. like I'm going to run these spots or do this deathmatch or whatever. Like you're there to entertain, um, and that that was perfect. And then when they put you with Cass, when you guys ran back the part where he's like, "Your struggles, tell this motherfucker I'm going to," th-, and then you're on the mic, and then you're both, and he's like, struggles in the middle, so upset as you guys just yelling at yeah. each other through him and stuff like that. Like I was like, of course it was Cass next. You know what I mean? It made sense. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I th- well, I what a lot of people don't th- get is like, yeah, it's deathmatch. It's crazy. And everyone's got to bleed and die, but there's always room for comedy. The only thing is you don't want to force the comedy. Like for example, some Marvel movies kind of force the comedy on you. Yeah. And it gets to the point where it's like, Oh, this is cringy. It's embarrassing, but you can still find room 
for comedy or find room for anything else other than blood splatter. You know what I mean? Which is, I love all that stuff too. That stuff's also cool. But you want to balance it out. You want to add more. There's no reason why it just has to be like same thing without even deathmatch. Uh, it's cool when you can watch two guys go out there and wrestle. But when they're just two guys wrestling, doing moves, it's kind of like, all right, that was cool, but I can't watch a whole show of this. Yeah, and there's also nothing to hang on to, right? Like, it's like, that was a great exhibition, but I'm not now invested in anything that's going. Like, I'm not invested in the progression of Redacted if I don't know who he is. You know, like, I'm like, oh, there's a guy, he did a crazy thing and he jumped off a thing with a bin. That was cool. But Mm -hmm. the entire um, presentation of everything leads to somewhere like, oh, this could be my guy. Like is, yeah. is what I like, you know? and like indie wrestling is probably my favorite style of wrestling. And like, I, I don't want to be that guy and be like, I hate TV wrestling. <laughs> but the issue with indie wrestling is you can't always tell long-term stories because you know, you, you know, sometimes you just don't get booked at the same place all the time. So you can't just do go out there and do moves, 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 moves. You have to try to tell some sort of story, whether it be big or small, in the time that you're allotted. And if you are going to come back, then you can tell stuff that will carry out or carry on but for example like with me and Cass who knows that could be you know the last time we ever wrestle each other so try to get whatever story or whatever we can in that match out there yeah. and it's cool exactly and then if you know a few months down the track three years down the track you guys come across each other again you the, that match can be referenced, you know, highlight packages, whatever exactly. it may be. There's photos of you guys face-to-face doing things together. You know, I mean, there's stuff to work with. I don't think – I think it's really short-sighted when people are like, oh, I don't really want to work that guy or whatever. I just got through it and stuff like that. It's like there can be la- there can be seeds laid for anything, and I don't think you really know the chemistry that's going to happen between not only the wrestlers but also the wrestlers and the crowd and the commentary, everything that makes mm-hmm. up the show – it could end up being one of like your best things. Like it's like you just can't For look. Sure. You can't look past anything. I don't think. My biggest issue right now with like indie wrestling and promoters is like I understand the idea of advertising when it comes to first time ever, first time ever. Yeah. But if another promotion did a match with like a, like me and Cass and people liked it, don't be afraid to book it again somewhere else or to even do the rematch in the same company. Because yeah. if it was good the first time and we then we get comfortable with each other, the second time should theoretically be better. Yeah, exactly. And you can start to grow that story. You yeah. know, and start but everyone's so afraid to do a rematch or, oh, they're copying this person. No, uh, people can just book the same match just somewhere else. Who cares? I mean, look at, look at some of the great, um, like, touring matches that, you know, like, who, who am I thinking of? Like, uh, Walter and... Was it Walter and Keith Lee or Walter and Dijak or Keith Lee and Dijak? I don't remember. But, the, like, you know, the last sort of, like, big indie pairing that, like, just then toured that match, like, around the fucking yeah. world. You know what I mean? Like, I might be getting well, the dude, participants wrong, but, yeah. Homicide with Steve Carino and yeah. then Homicide with Colby Carino. Like, he did this whole fucking family. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, that kind of stuff you can then call back to and it can be other places and it doesn't have to be, like, two. It's like, this is, like, an ongoing Fucking thing, you know, some of the best rivalries, like talk about Ring of Honor, you know, uh, Eddie Danielson Kingston. Oh, Danielson McGuinness. Uh, what is it? Um, Kingston and Hero, you know, like these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They can put that anywhere right now, but I think yeah, you're right in that a lot of independent 
sort of promoters are maybe thinking like, oh, I can't retread the same stuff because people are going to pay to see it a second time. And it's like, no, they are. And if you let yeah. the let the, the wrestlers tell that story and build that rivalry, there's just more history and more stakes. And if you actually, people do promos, they're just like, holy shit, you know, we could even tell more of a story, but that's a different story for different <laughs> It is. <laughs> but hey, you make the most of what you can. And also I think when people use the tools that they've got to their advantage, you know, social media and stuff the right way, they can begin telling their stories outside of even what's sort of allowed on camera and stuff. I mean, look Our at... Our guy Cass is very good at that. Very good at that. And look at, uh, look at even, like, being the elite. They essentially booked their own angles and own new company through a YouTube show of just them talking shit and kind of writing their own stories. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's it's literally crazy. Them just like talking shit on a YouTube channel. What came of that? Like the popularity of that and how that then went on to inform their entire career. Like that, that is the power of it. If it's done well and you, you know, you invest that time. Some people will and some people won't. <laughs> exactly right. Do you like a do you like a promo and a video package and things like that? Have you been doing any of I that do. stuff yourself? I do, and I love I love when promoters ask me to do it. I hate when promoters are like, "Hey, it's a uh, three hours before the show. Can you cut a promo, send it to me, and edit it?" Yeah. <laughs> no one no one asked me to do it three hours before, but they some of them like to be very last minute about it, and it's yeah. just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, exactly. So, Let's be organized and get it popping. Exactly. Let's make it fun. Yeah. Oh, also, I hate uh, when wrestlers love to do the the selfie promo, and it's just like they're holding the phone up like right in front of their face, like their whole face isn't even in the shot. They're cutting the selfie promo, and it just looks like shit. Even though the new cameras are great, yeah. uh, it just looks like shit. And it's just like you couldn't just like set it up somewhere and just like yell at the screen or something. Like just there's, ugh, there's very there's very small things you can do. Just the, like taking the lighting into account and stuff like yeah. that that can just well, take setting, it from... Settings are huge. You yeah. can do the same promo. Uh, I like to do a lot of abandoned places or like uh, now that I'm in Vegas, I've done like two in like like deserty looking places or mounds. You can just do so much with that. Yeah. And people don't even have to like pay attention to what you're saying. They just see the surroundings and you can just tell it right from there. Yeah. You're like, this person isn't in his house talking on his couch. This is some kind of yeah. warrior. Somebody's out trained, a trained fighter, a murder surgeon, whatever it is. I'd love it for it to get to the point where you just have a set. That's like a murder surgery behind you, you know, and there's like a bloody corpse <laughs> on a fucking thing, maybe meat yeah, hooks right? and stuff, and it's just like, what's that? <laughs> like, it's, like they just what go and find him uh, uh, <laughs> in your murder basement, uh, <laughs> like where it all. The murder basement. I knew yeah. you wanted to hear it. <laughs> uh, Mister Redacted told me that uh, he had heard my interview with Eric from Time Bomb back in the day, and they used to enjoy. The the way my accent made murder basement sound. So I had to fit it in there for you. Do you have a basement in your new property in Las Vegas? You can kit it out. Uh, I do not. I do no, not have a basement. That is a shame. Two stories, but no basement. Mm-hmm. It, you know what else would be? It'd even be funny if, like, you did, like, green screen and just had, like, some kind of stupid, like, Dr. Over Frankenstein lab yeah. or whatever, and it's just you obviously Dungeon. on Green Street. That's so yeah. shit. That would still, that's the great thing about like your character because you've lent into this like a wild persona. It can kind of be anything, like which is which is really funny. 
Yeah. And then like uh, lately what I've been doing with promos is like, you'll hear like the voice change. Like I'll be just this guy. And then when it's like, Oh, uh, and I'll turn it into the, the deep voice psycho crazy guy. And there's yeah. just so many little things you can do with characters. Yeah, exactly. You can also just be, you know, I'm the guy and I'm going to come out and kill this other guy. You can yeah. be that guy too, but he can, he, he can be all of it. And then, then also we underneath all those layers, occasionally all of that can retreat and it can be like, seriously the man behind redacted and then that's even yeah. more gravitas like all the bullshit aside i'm actually gonna fuck you up <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly all, sure all the other bullshit there's no murder surgery implements coming all i'm bringing are these i'm showing him my fist yeah, ah, <laughs> you know, so, yeah they, <laughs> they can't see our hands at all we're throwing no, up no, exactly but we can and that's what's important yes, everybody else can just listen in they can imagine it as best they can so what is next in the world of redacted you've obviously been doing heaps of shows um I, you were telling me you were a little bit uh, beat up from from a recent match, a few holes in you and whatnot. So you're recovering and on, on to the next? Yeah. Uh, then next week we have ICW, the two dates at Chattanooga. Yep. And then after that, I got Boston ICW and um, a show with Casanova in New York. Awesome. Not me facing Casanova, but one of the New Fear City shows. Yeah, cool, That's cool. what I uh, and then after that, I think that's Mania weekend. Mm -hmm. And I have one confirmed show. Oh, it's me and uh, Clint Margera for oh, Crimson Crown. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. yeah I'm defending awesome. the Wrestle Rave Deathmatch title, so that would be cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, which is cool to see, uh, like a Texas promotion belt being defended at a California promotion against a guy from across the pond with this wacky guy. Yeah. And um, Clint's awesome, man. He, yeah, yeah you're gonna yeah, have a lot really of fun cool. there. Yeah, he is. Um, and uh, I think I might have a show the day before in Cal Cali. I'm waiting to confirm it. Yeah. And then it's off to New Jersey for two more days of ICW, and then uh, Matt Tremont at uh, RPW. Oh that wow, Sunday. that's yeah, that's gonna be a good one. That's awesome. And then did I also see? ICW announced you and the Carver coming up as well, which should be in crazy. Yeah. yeah, man, you're, you're flat I, tack. You're you're so busy. You've got so many shows. Yeah, and then uh, that next day in Chicago, I'll be on RPW, and I'm facing somebody who I can't say it because it hasn't been announced, but it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, and then there's uh, another really big surprise that uh, is coming up in April that I'm waiting to confirm, but we can't talk about it on. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about it. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. I'll get, I'll get the icky, yeah. icky when we're off the air. But, <laughs> but dude, I'm sorry. We got some tournaments coming up too. Yeah, what's that? We got some tournaments coming up. We oh, really? Debuts coming up. Yeah, it'll be a good, it'll be a good year. I'm hoping so. Are you excited about the prospect of doing a tournament? Obviously, it's like a different, a very different kettle of fish. You know, carrying a lot of injuries and mo moving through a lot of rounds and things like that. Is that something that kind of you want to tick off the bucket list? Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, it's something that you immediately like think about, and you're like, okay, we got to get ready for this. Um, but it's you know just like anything that's new, you're excited for it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm I'm more honored to be asked to do some of these, so that'll be really cool. Uh, but you know, I'll still treat it just like anything else. Like, okay, go out there and use my body as a weapon and kill the other guy. Yeah. Deal. There you go. Yeah. 
There you go. That's all you need. my body as hard as I can for people. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you know, the best thing is you're doing it all as yourself. In the end, the the head went away and you ended up picking up more steam because of it. So that's got to be a a confidence giver and and everything like that too. It's crazy because thinking about it, I should have just given up the head a long time ago. Yeah. But you know, it was sort of like your way in and it started maybe as a little bit of a like a confidence giver and stuff like that, a little bit yeah, of a safety, safety net. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then when it's stripped from you, you're like, okay, it's sink or swim time. And then you ended up finding out that like you're you're a very emotive person, like your facial expressions and, and things like that. And then that's a huge advantage that was essentially covered up, you know. And it's funny because going into that, uh, I had a peer who I looked up to, whose name I will not say right now. And he was like, uh, you should probably get a new mask. And I was like, uh, excuse me? And he's like, oh, you don't really pass like the airport test, which is like uh, you look like somebody that people would stop at the airport and be like, oh, are you someone famous? <laughs> like, that's like a WWE thing. But or that's what I was told. Okay. And I was like, I had never heard it until he said it. And I was like, oh, thanks. Well, es- cool. essentially saying you're not a good looking person. Is that what is uh, that? What yeah, or that I'm just like, uh, like I just look like I blend in with the crowd, so to say. Okay. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. And then I'm very happy to be proving that person wrong. <laughs> That's so rude. Who fucking says that? Yeah. I was like, oof. I mean, I did ask them for advice and they gave it to me, but uh, I was like, oh, couldn't find a nicer way to word that, could yeah, you? Okay. I think you're a handsome man and I won't fucking stand for it. Exactly. Look hey, at him. Exactly. Hey. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad you're living your best life, man. You fucking, Same. you really want it and you're working hard and you, you seem so creative. And so it's very exciting to say, see what's like, going to uh, Not to be that guy, but like the fans are great. And they yeah. have been so nice to me and welcoming and open arms. And I know people love to like shit on wrestling fans and the internet and this. But like y'all have been really nice to me. Uh, don't get me wrong. There are some people out there that like, you know, they got to get all their stupid little fucking remarks in. But oh, well, I don't care. Uh, but overall, wrestling's sick. That's awesome. And that's the place you want to be in, especially yes. when you're going to be doing some things that are like as physical as it is for you. You know, you need, you need to be a hundred percent in it because if you're not, then, sure. then you're going to get hurt. You know, like you just need to be living in the moment and living your best life. And that's the way to get it done. I'm about it. Absolutely. So tell all the people where to find all your social media bits and pieces, man. Um, on Instagram and Twitter. I am Dr. X Redacted, and then on Facebook, if you can find me, it's just my normal name. But, you know, I post all the same stuff on all three. So Get everything you need from at Dr. X Redacted. I got that uh, that Deathmatch Worldwide shop. You could look on there. I got, got a lot of shirts on there. I got yes. some exclusives on there. You've had some great we like, we like We like Deathmatch Worldwide. We like Corey. We support him. Absolutely. So uh, get on there buy some of my merch or someone else's merch because everybody who is anybody in Deathmatch is on that website and they all have sick shit and he does the best stuff. Absolutely. That's my dude, Corey. Uh, We've been working together for a long time now. Um, He sent me, I had done an order just prior to the pandemic that like they literally shut down shipping, you know, to Australia. So I waited like two years for this order. He felt it. Damn. Super bad the entire time, literally completely out of his control. And I was like, I trust you. It's fine. It'll come yeah. eventually. He was He's like, can I refund you? Or send-? And I'm like, no, I'll just wait. Like uh, we had a joke. I'm like, just add it to the pile of like stuff. <laughs> like occasionally I'd just like order something else. And dude, he he's told me it was the heaviest package he's ever sent. 
And he not only sent stuff I ordered, but he sent me a heap of Deathmatch Worldwide stuff, you know. Like, I've got, sent me some autograph 8x10s from, like, Alex Cologne and Pondo and stuff like that. Like, a That's bunch so of extra sad. stuff. It was so cool. He's just, like, such a self He's a real-ass dude. dude. Yeah. Absolutely. He's not fucking around. And if anybody has been considering, like, starting a merch store, like, if you're a wrestler and you listen to this show... Uh, and you've been thinking about it, hit Corey up, man. He He's fucking a straight shooter as it comes. And then if you Agreed. like to buy merch, buy it from him because it, there's no bullshit. It, he's great splits with the wrestlers, like m- takes care of everybody, ships Very ASAP. Timely. Yeah, yeah. prints it himself. He's the fucking man. Absolutely. And I would rather work with him than anybody else right now. So Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That is awesome. Dude, I want to thank you so much for your time today, man. It's been so cool like learning a little piece of your history and giving people a look inside the surgery of the murder surgeon. <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother. Hey, it's no Happy to get done. Oi, dude, it, it was so much fun. Absolutely. So for everybody out there, for Dr. Redacted and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Faces Feelscast, or just head straight to our link tree, linktr.e slash facesfeelscast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favorite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.